Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show, a roughly one hour unscripted, interactive, conversational Bible study between a group of genuine misfits transformed by God's amazing grace. My name is Zach Adams. I'm a Christ follower, husband of one, father of three, a man incredibly blessed to pastor the greatest church around, Calvary 316, located just outside of Athens, Georgia. Uh, you can learn more about the church if you're interested by checking out our website, which is calvary316.com. Uh, tonight, I'm joined in studio by the man that needs no introduction, the maestro behind the madness, the producer of this dysfunction, my partner in crime, Mr. Dick Dastardly, a.k.a. Scrooge McDuck, also known as, <laughs> by his God-given name, Creighton Vaughn. Creighton, welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. Hello. Um, I would actually like to add something to my title. Something okay. Yes, we're gonna go with herder of cats. No. Yes. Cats. No. Yes. Yes. Because no. you guys are cats. Yeah. And I have to herd you this every. Is, this is not approved by the board. Well, let's go ahead yeah. and since since they're already uh, the knuckleheads have have jumped in, uh, let's introduce uh, the audience, the crew, the group of guys that that are are joining us as well in studio. Uh, from right to left, we got Mr. Nicholas Monty, who really has no. Nicknames at all, and that's fine. Nickname. Uh, Nick, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. a nickname. Uh, then we got Deal Daddy Derek, Derek Kennedy, we're and here. we got Justin Honeycomb. Thought we were changing um, it to Spice Daddy. Uh, no, you have to earn that <laughs> yeah, title. We, we're not sure <laughs> okay. about changing it to Spice Daddy. Uh, Nick, why don't you explain why he wants it changed to Spice Daddy? His love is hot sauce. I do love hot sauce. And it's like, and it's like a daddy. really twisted... You're, Justin, your ultimate goal, you said if you were wealthy. I want oh, a hot sauce that cabinet. Too. A yeah. hot sauce cabinet. Like like a double-decker I want as cabinet. big as I can get it. A walk-in cabinet? Oh, walk -in that would cabinet. be amazing. A walk-in cabinet. Mm, like yeah. a walk-in pantry. Walk whole pantry. You know what? I would probably have different Temper controlled. Food. Now, you just, maybe some tortilla chips and stuff just to taste test stuff. Different tortilla would you chips. Get, too, would you get yeah. those those spice racks that spin so that like they're all displayed and you can just... No, 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 no. If I'm wealthy, I'm putting them on each individual. Oh, section. individually, yeah. like little trophies. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna LED organize lights. it like a library. They're gonna have their own serial number and everything. So just yeah. so yeah. you know, uh, he to wants to be known as Spice Daddy. We're, we're on. If the, I'm the Deal Daddy, he should probably be. The let spice me know. Daddy. Let me know if that's know. better than Honeycomb. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see. Com how all that comment goes. in the section below. Comment on the section below if yeah. you if you like or to the side whichever Spice Daddy thing you're on. No. Um, honey, please vote one. Honey spice. <laughs> Just honey spice daddy. Honey sounds way Honey better. spice daddy. Honey spice daddy. I do daddy. like it yeah, sweet and spicy <laughs> though. Okay, okay when is... we're all talking at the same time, no one knows what we're saying. Yeah, ha this honey spice this episode daddy. has just started off to like roaring success because like you got me excited. About absolutely, about hot sauce. <laughs> the audience is gripped. They're engaged. Yes, Craig they are. And I, you know. Explain to the audience how this show is interactive, like the interactive component of what we're doing. So we have a comment section on both YouTube and Facebook where we're streaming to. Um, if you type something in there, like everyone's favorite friend of the show, Jennifer, says good evening, gents. Hello, Jen. Hello, Hello Jennifer. Jen. Hi. Um, so if you type something in there, I will see it. I have a computer in front of me. Um, if you are not listening live, uh, you don't get to do that. If you're not watching live. Watching live, you're right. Watching live. If you're listening on the podcast, but you're you're not watching live, you need to check us out Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock. Uh, if you are new to the show, let me just kind of very quickly, uh, briefly explain how the show works. Aside from it being interactive, so at any point, if the Lord puts something on your heart and you want to share it, uh, comment section on both uh, facebook.com slash the radio outlaw, which we're streaming there, or our YouTube channel, uh, which is outlaw radio. Uh, dot live. I would encourage you if you are watching on on YouTube, if you haven't subscribed to our channel, please do so. It helps kind of raise the profile. But either way, you can leave comments, feedback, interact using the comment section. Uh, beyond that, this show is also a conversation. That's why these guys are are here in the studio. Um, they're free to to ask questions, to bring up topics, to engage however they'd like to. Um, but beyond all of that, what makes the show unique is that it is an unscripted Bible study. So we're going to have a Bible study tonight. Uh, I have no idea what we're talking about. None of these guys have any idea what we're talking about. The only person that knows what we're talking about is Scrooge McDuck. Uh, so Herder of cats. Not herder of cats. <laughs> uh, I veto that it's one. Been That's just ridiculous. So give us the topic, Creighton. What uh, are we going to spend the next you know 50 minutes or so talking about? 
Okay, so um, this one came to me recently because I saw that headline about them doing renovations or something at Joel Osteen's church. Um, <laughs> and they opened a wall, and it was just filled with money like he was in Ozark. Okay, let me, um, let me actually, <laughs> I've, I've researched this topic. I, I okay, know, cool. I know all the particulars of this. So let me kind of explain what you're referring to to the audience that might not be aware, and then you can get to your question. So Lakewood Church, which is in Houston, Joel Osteen, uh, Mr. Jerry Curl himself, uh, pastors, uh, the, it's the largest church in America. It is a massive, um, I think they, they bought like an old stadium and made it the church. Um, huge footprint. Anyway, a couple years ago, at least from what I've been able to research, they had one of their offerings stolen. So after uh, after the service, the you know the the people all the all the offering was brought into the vault. They are counting it, organizing it, and then it goes to the bank uh, to be deposited. So you have cash, you have checks. Um, it it went missing. It got stolen. Six hundred thousand dollars disappeared. Stolen. Well, Lakewood Church, because of this, it's all insured. They they filed a, a insurance claim to recoup the money. And, uh, and then apparently last week, a guy got brought in to fix a toilet, a plumber. Um, during the repair, he found some loose tile. It was like, well, I probably need to replace this. Removes the tile and out falling out of the wall is $600,000 of cash and checks. Uh, he calls the supervisor in like, hey, uh, this is kind of strange. There's money coming out of the bathroom wall. And, uh, and they were like, to their credit, well, let's immediately call the police. So the police came in, you know, took it all, come to find out it was what had been stolen because of the check numbers, et cetera. Um, and, and it was funny is the guy that you thought the story would be over, but the plumber got all, all tissy about it because no one thanked him for finding the money. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. This happened today. He got all upset about not being thanked. You know, he was the hero. He found all this money. And so apparently he got a phone call from Joel Osteen today and uh, he was given a $20,000 reward wow. uh, for finding the money. Um, very shady. Um, I'm mm. not quite sure I, I understand how any of this works. Um, hard to say that it would be like something nefarious by Lakewood because again, it's checks. Um, you know, you're not recouping that cost. <laughs> I have no idea. And, and again, you know, <laughs> If you, if you hid the money at some point, you would come back to retrieve it, you would think. I don't know. The whole thing is really weird, mm -hmm. really sketchy. So mm -hmm. that story on the news, mm -hmm. and it made like national headlines for obvious reasons, um, got you thinking about a particular question. Yeah, because um, basically a lot of the times when we're in the, uh, we're talking, we're either in the intro or the outro, you'll say something like, I'm the pastor of Calvary 316 and Winder. If you're local, check us out. Um, if you're not, you know, either find a good church or have a good church. Um, and so my question is, how would someone who is not well-versed in Christianity as an adult, so either they grew up in the church but haven't been to church in 20 years, or they didn't grow up in the church but would like to find a church, how would one go about doing that? Because that's something that I, I've never had to deal with because I grew up in church. I've been in church for Almost twenty nine years now. Did you have a, like um, a year clock? Yes, on it's your where watch? I keep my. It's where I keep my. Uh, it's where you keep your universal year. age. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> yeah, it's counting up from the moment I was born. I have uh, I have hours, <laughs> minutes, seconds, and years. Yes, uh, on my wristwatch. Cool. So the question is like, how do you find a good church? Like, what should you look for? What should you avoid? Right. How do you like? Obviously, to me, I can say, uh, I wouldn't go to Lakewood. Okay. Well, I would ask, why wouldn't you? Let's start there. Why wouldn't you go to Lakewood? Because it's a health and wealth gospel church, and I don't think they teach the Bible. Um, now, that's very easy for me to say. I think that I think that Joel Osteen's probably a charlatan, um, at the very least, kind of bad faith in the way that he teaches. I saw a Babylon Bee article this week that said, uh, it said something, I'm going to paraphrase it. Um, uh, Lakewood Church rolls out. It's new lukewarm coffee bar. <laughs> <laughs> they, they only offer lukewarm drinks. Um, oh, so oh you wouldn't gosh, go yes. to Lakewood because of, of what they don't teach and what they teach. Elaborate a little bit on that. 
Okay. Because um, there's two things you kind of brought up, what they, what they teach and what they don't. One of the things that I really like about the way that we do things at Calvary 316, um, and most, if not all, Calvary chapels, is that we teach through an entire book, which means that when you get to weird or hard stuff, you have to deal with it. Um, so you can't avoid complex topics. You can't avoid complex topics. You can't avoid things like God killing a man for touching the ark because he thought the ark was going to fall off of a cart. Like, you have to teach that. Um, or topics like homosexuality, judgment, sin, marriage, yes. gender, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All that kind of stuff. You can't, you can't ignore any of that stuff. You can't, just, you can't just have, you know, the fun, Jesus loves everyone, which, uh, you know, it's a good thing to teach that, but you have to deal with the sin as well as the grace, right? Um, which I don't think they do at Lakewood from as far as I can understand. Also, I just have a serious problem with the way the health and wealth whole idea works because it seems very predatory, especially upon people in lower wage, you know, poor people. It's very predatory to them because it's like, you know, give to the church, and they'll give back, give everything you have. And people end up, you know, losing their homes while going to a church that has $600,000 in the walls and that didn't cripple them. And a church that took a lot of flack when Houston flooded. Right, and they and refused, didn't let people in when they, their homes were flooded. They refused to do, to do anything to help the community. I think they did ultimately, but not in the, the in the actual emergency. So for you, for you, when you're looking for a church, and so the topic tonight, just to recap, we're talking about like how to find a church. The easy answer to that is just come to Calvary 316. That is the <laughs> easy easy answer to the question. Um, we're the greatest church around. So uh, topic over. Uh, right, yeah. wrap it up. We'll hit yeah, wrap it up. Wrap it up. Capri Suns and orange slices. Let's Absolutely. Go. Um, but you know, I partially kid. Seriously, Calvary three sixteen dot com. Come check us out. Um, <laughs> nice tag. What do you look for in a church? I, I, let me start. Let me start, and I want to get you guys in on it very early here. Uh, but I want to start with like maybe like the most obvious idea that you would think would be very obvious, but but man, a lot of people don't don't fully get this. And that is the fact you need a church, right? Like, like Christianity is not a go it alone, um, proposition. Um, our, our faith in Jesus, uh, our walk with the Lord is not something that, that is designed where God intended uh, for us, for us to do it by ourselves. Even within ministry context, Jesus had the 70 disciples and he sent them out on their own. Uh, to do ministry? No, not at all. They you send them out two by two. Um, you look at the, the book of Acts, um, and um, you know just the way that ministry took place within the, the book of Acts. The apostle Paul never traveled alone. You know he had originally Barnabas and John Mark, and then he ended up with Silas. But uh, he had companions: Luke, Timothy, Titus, uh, various people. Um, church is a foundational principle to Christianity to the Christian life, to the Christian experience. Like, if, if you're a Christian and you don't go to church, there's something wrong. Um, and, I, and I say that with all sincerity. There's something wrong with your understanding of what it means to be a Christian if you're not going, attending, plugging into um, a church, a, a, a community of Christians, of believers, um, that you're not on Sunday gathering with the beloved. Um, now, there are people that are like, well, I've been hurt by the church, or I, I don't like the church. I, I love Jesus, but I, but I hate the church. I hate the institutional church. Well, first, Jesus instituted the church. So there's, like, you, you have a problem. You say you love Jesus, but you have a problem uh, with the very thing he instituted. And, by the way, charged to sinners to care for. So Jesus knew it wouldn't be perfect. Um Beyond that, Jesus refers to the church um, as his bride. And so how can you claim to love Jesus but, but hate his, his wife? Um, again, if you claim to love me and, and you hate Jessica, we have a problem. Um, church is not, is not an, an option uh, for the Christian. Now, there is a truth that you're never going to find a perfect church. Um, if you do, don't go because you'll ruin it. Um, you know, I mean... There isn't a perfect church. Every church is going to have flaws. Why? Because, well, sinners, sinners make up the community. And thus we got to walk by grace and live by grace. But you need a church. 
Now you might say, well, there's not a good church in my community. And you know, for some people that might actually be a truth. Um, you're like, well, I mean, there's the best church that I can find. They don't teach the Bible. They teach kind of from the Bible. They don't teach the Bible. Now, what, what do I do? Well, go there and supplement it by, you know, going to calvary316.com and watching our live stream um, or the, you know, <laughs> the Bible studies. Like you can be taught elsewhere, um, but you need to go to a church. You need to support a church. Um, you need to, to plug into a church. And I would say, you know, work to make that place better. You know, be part of the solution and not not a nag, not part of the problem. So starting very, very broad, you know, how do you find a church? Well, first, you need to want to find a church. Um, again, I think that's one of the big problems that we have um, right now in kind of this, I can't call it a post-pandemic world because it doesn't feel like we're post-pandemic. We're still, it's still a very weird time. We're still figuring out exactly what, what a new normal looks like. But something like 50% of people that were attending church and like February of 2020, are no longer attending church in person. Some of them are attending online. About 30% have completely disappeared. Um, it's, it's crazy, but watching church online, live stream church, um, has a purpose. There's a function, but it's not church. It's not attending church. Uh, there needs to be you know, personal interaction. There, there's a communal component that you can't replicate digitally that is essential to church. So again, if, if you've been sick or you've been afraid of COVID, just know at some point you've got to go back to church. Church is important. Going, attending church um, is something that Jesus wants you to do and you need to do. Um, and you should be committed to it. It's crazy that I think Barna Research said, and again, this is all pre-pandemic numbers, but like a regular attender was somebody that went one out of four Sundays. Like if everyone went one out of four Sundays, your chances of, of even running into the same people week by week is like 8%. Like how do you ever make friends or, or develop community? The type of community that when your world is falling apart, that you have shoulders you can lean on. Like, you know, three out of four, they say what? Uh, one out of four is a regular tender. Two out of fours is a committed attender. Three out of four is your core. And four out of four is the pastor and his family. You know I mean? <laughs> um, and yet there, there should be a consistency to it. There's a benefit to it. And, and yeah, there's not, there's not a rule or a command, but an assumption made um, that the church would gather on, on Resurrection Day and commune with each other, build relationships, koinonia fellowship, study God's word, worship, pray, lean on each other, that there would be that, that communal expression. So <clears throat> from a very broad sense, if you're looking for a church, First, you need to want to find a church. Again, you're not going to find the perfect church, so get that out of your mind. If you find it, don't go. You'll ruin it. So you're, you're going to have to have a little bit of give and take, but there should be some like essential things that you should be looking for. Now, again, I'm going to pause right there. Uh, Nick, Deal Daddy, Honeycomb, you guys um, all attend church. Um, not just attend church. You are all very committed to church. You are plugged into a church. Um, I would say you guys go, you're in that like weird freaky category of four out of four Sundays. Yeah. You have to be <laughs> sick or something or out of town, you know, for you not to be at church. Um, so from you guys, and I, I, I've been around again as your pastor, but I've seen you, all three of you, uh, visit the church, slowly start attending the church, begin to plug in. I've, I've watched a process. So what was it that you were looking for? And now that you've been going for a while, what do you think you should have been looking for? So let's start with you, Nick. Let's start. We'll go right, right to left here. So when I was looking for one, I was looking for, I don't even know the words, something better in my life. I mean, something profound that would change the way I am and the way I was doing things and stuff like that. I grew up in church and it's straight on, like he was saying earlier, that a lot of people have done and went through a lot of things that I knew. And I was like, I know what I need. Like deep down, I knew what I needed. So found a group of friends. They invited me to church and got locked in at that point. And what I needed the most that I found out is fellowship, just being with brothers and sisters 
that also wanted the same thing, to grow in their spirit, grow in their health with Christ, and grow in their learning of the Bible and everything. Because with me, growing up at church at an early age, you heard the stories, David and Goliath. You heard Jonah and the whale, but that's all you ever heard. So for me, it was more about actually getting to know God's Word and being able to use it and learn from it. What about you, Dill Daddy? What's yeah. kind of your, your setup? Man, growing up, we went to a main church, but there was just different stuff that we did that was with different churches. Like, we would go to our Sunday church, which was at, can I say churches? Nah, right? it didn't matter. Okay, so we went to a Sunday church, but on Wednesday we went to a different church that was for, like, a kid's group. And then on Sunday we went back to the same church, you know. And so, and then growing up, I would be Sunday at the same church, Wednesday night at a completely different church that operated completely different and did different stuff. So I learned the different ways that all these different places interacted. And now I'm old enough to see that, like, how you were talking about if it's if we have a checklist for what the church is supposed to be, you're never going to find the perfect church if you go into it with the mindset of, oh, this is the church I want needs to have fellowship they need to have these groups of family. They need to do this type of outreaches. Like, it, you're never going to find the perfect church. So the older and older I got, the more I learned, like, oh, I just need to be rooted in my relationship with Christ. And finding a church that nourishes that through fellowship and people that are going to build me up, I'm able to build them up. And then also, you're, like you said, church isn't for the sick. You don't come there to heal the sick. You do heal the sick. But also, it's to equip you, and then you go out into the world after that. So thinking solely on myself to find a church, I'm like, okay, I'm rooted in my word. Where do I need to go that's going to equip me to better build me up to the next person that I come in contact with who ends up maybe, you know, God sparks a little moment, and I'm able to equip them and move forward. So equipping me to move forward. What about you, Honeycomb? Huh? Well, I think I've shifted over my lifetime from I need I have to go to church to I need to go to church. Interesting. And mm. or need to find a fellowship. And uh uh first of all it's rooted in the word. Uh kinda like the Bereans, you know. Mm. Uh they, they they didn't just listen to what they, they searched the word, what they knew to be truth and then they, they matched that with what uh what was being told to them. Uh and and so that's a key component component for what I I look for, and uh, but then just traveling the world, I, I like going to visit other other churches, I guess you could say fellowships, and and just I, I've learned to be a part. You're, we're part of the worldwide fellowship, but having that as an introverted person, it's hard for me just to get out and be part of something <laughs> I get no I, I, yeah, understand. I know and, you and, I understand and, uh, like I tend to lean away from that but over my time as a believer it's it's come from I have to do this because that's what I grew up being told to kind of you know to I need this uh just to be able to survive because this world sucks <laughs> here, here. <laughs> this world sucks and and and, and being an alien in in this world because as a believer you're you're gonna go into the world like some of my my, you know like my co-workers and other people i encounter that the way they talk the way they act is is i'm just looking at them like why why would you do that way you know because i've been a believer for so long that the world doesn't make sense now but then when i get into the church i get recharged and but the burden the burden is on me to find a place that that teaches the word, you know. And how am I supposed to know if they're teaching the word if I'm not in it? Absolutely. And that's where and, I kind of started by just saying, you gotta want, you gotta recognize, like I need this, I gotta do this, I gotta want this, you know. Now, where do you start? What do you look for? And I think one of the um, one of the great misconceptions of our age is a, a false notion um, that the size of a church is somehow indicative of how good or, or bad that church is. Um, I think that that's a really warped, twisted, non-biblical way of, of thinking. Um, the size of a church um, doesn't, doesn't always correlate 
to the quality of the church. Quantity doesn't equate to quality. Um, in fact, I mean, we could spend the next 20 minutes going through example after example after example of, of churches that grew and got really big and in, and in the process became very unhealthy and no longer exist. I mean, I can think of three or four right off the top of my head. Um, just because a church is big or drawing a big crowd doesn't mean that it's necessarily the place you should go. When evaluating a church, and I think that it's really kind of the, the essence of your question, like, right, Creighton, like, how do you evaluate? Like, I go to a church, what should I be looking for? What sh- how should I evaluate whether or not this is the right place for me to be? Yeah, absolutely. How do I, especially not knowing a whole lot, how do I, you know, skirt the Creflo Dollars and Joel Steens and find a good church? Especially from a person that doesn't know that. You got to think about that. But I, yeah. first thing that thought about me, he pulled out he pulled out Joe Olstein's church. He knows that because he's at a church and he is a Christian. He's talking about the Christian that is now just looking for a church, first time Christian. They're not going to know anything about Joel Olstein or a Baptist church or what's the difference of maybe a Lutheran or anything like that. So for me, it's just like go out and search. Right. There's a very there's a very like particular Christian bubble. Yeah. You know, that, that Christians right. kind of operate in, and so if you're if you're new to it. And again, this is kind of a unique experience because, again, I mean, I would say for you guys, uh, Justin, you're a little unique because you really did come to Calvary 316 cold. Like, you didn't know anyone. But I grew was, up in the Calvary Chapel. But though. you did grow up in a Calvary Chapel. But, but even, there's, there's it, still a litmus test for for, <laughs> right. for what you're yeah. looking for, and, and, and that's what you got to – even if you're a new believer, there's still an established litmus, litmus test for what the church should be – doing essentially mm-hmm. let's let's get to that lit, litmus test um yeah because that's really the question because i don't yeah. think that they would know right that's what i was what trying to point out test. yeah so let's yeah. start let's start with um the basics um first it's the teaching of god's word um a fundamental purpose uh, for the church is the equipping of the saints for the ministry um it is the equipping of the saints um for their own walk with the Lord, it is the equipping of saints for evangelism, for witnessing, um, for life. Um, the Apostles' Creed is what was originally, when you get to the, the, the latter half of Acts chapter 2, we're, we're given a, a list of things that the church was doing when they gathered. Um, the Apostles' Creed, the doctrine, they study God's word. And, and I'm of the opinion that there is, again, if you're, if you're looking for a litmus test, that reveals to you deeper things about the community. Um, what happens at the pulpit is very telling um, because it, it, it reveals certain priorities. Um, a church that is teaching God's word, that is going through scripture verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and there are all kinds of different expressions of this. I'm not purely speaking to an expositional Bible study or, or even the way that I do it at Calvary 316. There are other ways of doing it and still accomplishing the same thing of we love God's word, we cherish God's word, we teach God's word, we're Bible nerds when it comes to God's word. The, 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 the word of God is center, it is the focal point, and it determines every part of the community. It is not about a personality, it's not about one person, it's not about some power structure or governmental organization. God's word is, is, is it's the beginning, it's the middle, it's the end, it's how we get to know Jesus. Jesus is the pastor of the church. So if you go to a church and you attend for a few weeks and they're teaching God's word, like they're like, like you're learning about the Bible and you're growing in your knowledge of the Bible and the application of it, um, that's a good sign. It's a good indicator um, that that this church might be a very healthy place uh, for you to plug into teaching God's word. Now, if you go to a church and and there's not a Bible around, <laughs> and again you'll you'll find that. You know, where, you know, there's not, you're, you're not encouraged to open your Bible. Uh, you're not encouraged to turn to a passage of Scripture where, you know, maybe one verse pops up on a screen um, and it becomes a trampoline or, or a launching pad uh, for a pastoral opinion about some variety of topics. Um, that's a good indicator that, that, this, that this church is not founded on a sure foundation. It's founded upon man's opinions 
It's founded. It's founded upon other things. And again, if it's if it's anything other than the Word of God, uh, danger. Will Robinson, uh, warning flares could could go up. And 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 the point to this is that um, it tells you that the structure itself is flimsy. Um, at Calvary three sixteen, you know, I teach the Bible. Not only does does that intend to equip the people that come for the their to fulfill their ministries, uh, but it but it also keeps me as the pastor and the group of elders as leaders <clears throat> accountable. Um, you know, if we're doing something that is that is not right or unethical, um, people can go back to the standard by which we've established our our ministry, and that is God's word. Say, well, wait a second. This is what God's word says about how to deal with this. You're not dealing with it that way. We have a problem. There's a disconnect. But at least you have something to come back to versus, you know, some psychology, some opinions, some philosophy about ministry. Again, when the Bible is being preached from the pulpit, it tells you that, that there's a lot of good things foundational uh, to that particular church. That church is being built, regardless of the size, on a sure foundation. The other thing that I would really, um, and it kind of one ties to the, net, to the other, to the next, um, but it would be it would be the the emphasis of evangelism. For example, if you go to a church and it becomes very clear, okay, they're even teaching from God's word, but every single Bible study comes back down to some evangelistic message, where it's clear that 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 this church exists uh, with a heart for the lost, no doubt, that's a good thing. Um, but but that the Sunday service is more focused on seeing people get saved than it is seeing the saved grow. Again, an easy tell is that every Bible study you listen to comes back down to some invitation to the magic bean prayer, um, that it all comes back to getting people saved, that the application always seems to be focused on someone coming to know Jesus as opposed to mm. the person who knows Jesus growing in, in that experience. Mm. Um, I, I'm a firm believer, and, and I will be a broken record uh, to this point forever. But when it comes to the Great Commission, you know, take the gospel into the, into the nations, into the world, Jer Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Great Commission was given to individual Christians. Ten days before the church was ever instituted. The church was instituted to equip Christians to fulfill that commission. Derek made this comment earlier, and I've said it. You know, you'll hear pastors talk about how the church is a hospital for the sick. Uh, I completely disagree. Um, the church, as an institution that Jesus founded for a reason, is not a, a, a hospital for the sick. Um, it is a teaching hospital by which Christians are equipped to go into the world and minister to the sick. Now, I will say, and I'll add kind of a caveat to that, that a church can be a hospital for sick Christians. You know, I think that there is a component to that where, where someone's been burnt out on their Christian experience and they come into, a, in, into the church and then the teaching of God's word, again, is designed uh, to build that person up. But if you go to a church that's not teaching the Bible, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a warning flare. If you go to a church... And it, it seems like the entire emphasis is evangelism and seeing people get saved. Again, that's a great thing. There are some massive churches in our area that do that, that focus on that. I just wish they didn't call themselves churches and were evangelistic outreaches. You know, that, that, that's, that's, this is what we do. And the reason that I wouldn't encourage you to go to one of those churches might be a great place to bring an unsafe friend. But the problem is, is that over time, uh, you're going to find yourself stale and stagnant because you're already saved. Like, how many times can I get saved? How many times should I feel convicted that maybe I'm not saved? Like, how many times do I got to walk down the aisle? Once again, you need to be fed. You need to be equipped. Again, you know, we live in a day and age where, you know, Andy Stanley coined the phrase, you know, that you know, we have church for the unchurched. Um, well, that's not a biblical definition or mantra for, for the church that Jesus founded. It's novel. You want to actually go to a church that is for Christians. <laughs> you know, I, it's kind of a crazy thing to say that it's that elementary, but it's so true. So I think getting to the litmus test, a church that teaches the Bible tells you a lot about the church. A church 
that is focused on equipping Christians and to go and reach their friends, um, as opposed to being kind of the scapegoat where it's like you don't have to go do evangelism, just bring your unsafe friends here. It's great, sounds novel. The problem is, is that you're not going to grow, um, which is the point. The point is to grow. Um, I would say that the, the third thing I would look for is, is grace an obvious expression? Um, it's one thing to talk about grace, but is it a church that demonstrates grace? Um, is the church legalistic? Um, again, these are certain nuances that it takes a little time uh, to fully realize, to see. But examine a church's ministry statement or statement of beliefs. If they don't have one, that's a problem, just to say. Um, if a church is not willing to publicly list things that are fundamental doctrines, um, that's a good sign that they don't have beliefs that are fundamental, uh, that they can be wishy-washy. Um, so is it a grace place? Is it a place that, that, treats, that treats people in this reciprocal um, reaction of all that God has given. How, how do they handle um, the brokenhearted? How do they handle uh, the down and outer? How do they handle uh, when people fall into sin within their own community? Um, is it judgment? Is it condemnation? Or is it grace leading to repentance? How do they handle various social topics? Again, I'm not talking about black and white issues, but things that fit within the margins, some of the, the, the gray things. Is there room for a diversity of opinion? Again, not talking about... Like, so, uh, I'm a diehard pre-trib guy. Absolutely. 100%. That being said, like... And, and when I'm teaching from the pulpit, that, that is what you're going to get. Um, if you are not pre-trib, let's say you're, um, you're unsure, you're like, I don't really care, um, or you're one of these crazy people that think it's going to happen in the middle of the tribulation or at the end. I don't care. It's not a reason for us to break fellowship. It's not a reason that we can't be, can't be brothers. Um, at the same time, if you get all wigged out that someone's on stage praying with a hat on, um, if like that becomes like your, your, like your hill to die on, or that you know, someone wears flip-flops on stage, or that people aren't wearing suits and ties... <laughs> You know, again, how how does what what is the vibe? What is the culture? Like you you know when you walk into a place if 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 it's the gospel of grace, period, or if they've bought into these perversions. You know, it's grace, but don't do these things. Or grace and you gotta do these things. I would also say within the same thread, um a, a carnal church should be avoided. And and you find those nowadays. You know, where you go into a church and, and there's just like there's not a check on licentiousness. There's not a check on sin. There's not a willingness to take a stand on certain things, even if that's going to be alienating. Um, again, we look at the way that, that Paul exhorted the, the community there in Corinth to operate. If there's sin in the camp, it must be dealt with. It has to be addressed. Th that's, that's the betterment of the individual, and it's how you keep the whole healthy. Um, if, you, if you are seeing... Um, and I don't want to specifically name particular sins. That's not the, the intention. But I think we can use our imagination on it. Where, you know, you have certain lifestyles that are being allowed to be practiced. Or even promoted. Or even promoted. Um, again, it's just a danger that, well, wait a second. If God's word, like, actually has some pretty hard lines on things, and this church is not actually going to live up to those lines, um... Again, it's just an indicator that this is probably not, not the best place to be. Um, I will say, and, and you know, I know that, that you guys um, have been blessed by um, having a wonderful pastor. <laughs> yeah, oh, um, for sure. But, but no, sure. I mean, just you, you guys have been able to find a, a very unique community of, of believers, of, an actual community of friends, um, relationships that are very odd. <laughs> What? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I'll give you, I'll give you an easy example. Well, there's trial and error, but at the same time, it's just personal experience, too. Like, it depends on how rooted you are in things, too. So for a new believer, if they went through the same thing, like, what would their stance be on something? Well, I mean, both of you too? guys, like, like, you know, Nick, you got saved coming to Calvary Chapel. 
Calvary 316. Yeah, and you were trying to equip people to follow their stuff, not even doing a gospel message. That's what <laughs> struck out in me. I was like, I think I got saved in Acts when he was going through chapter 37. <laughs> yeah. Like, he was talking about whatever. I was just like, something just hit me, and I got saved. Like, it wasn't that you were, like, leading me to salvation. It was like... You were just preaching the Bible. I was like, and like oh, that's called God. I know. Yeah. The that's Lord all. adds to his yeah. church. Jesus yep. saves. He doesn't need my help. No, he doesn't. Uh, uh, but, but my point is, is that like you both, you both came to the church and like you have wives now, you know, Damn, um, that's you true. have wives who are sisters. Y- yeah, that's why I said it's a weird sisters. group. We don't have sister wives. You don't have sister wives. <laughs> you have wives, <laughs> that are yeah, wives that are sisters. But I mean, you guys like, like Calvary 316 is a very unique place and, and, and the sweet fellowship that exists. Um, I would never have thought in, a, in my wildest imaginations that one of my best friends in the entire world um, is like 65 years old. Um, <laughs> that I have absolutely nothing in common with other than the fact that I love Jesus and he loves Jesus and, and we've become dear brothers. Like it's, it's, it's just, it's an odd thing um, to say that, um, yeah, hey, I'm, I'm going and hanging out with some of my, my brothers, some of my friends tonight, and they're in their 60s. Um, as well as... We'll be I'm, in by nine. I'm going, yeah, I'm going and hanging out and it's... You know, you look at the uh, collection—the collection of guys that came out and watched the Braves for like three or four nights on my back deck—is <laughs> yeah. like there's no, there is no context by which any of us should ever be together <laughs> or true. care about each other, um, other than the fact that like we have some great commonality that transcends all differences, and it, it is the Holy Spirit and it's God's mm. grace, yes, and that's a unique is. thing. I, I only say that to say that yes church is supposed to provide community yes it's supposed to provide fellowship but the church isn't supposed to get you friends Um, that's not the church's job the church's job is not for you to come and 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 leave with a bunch of soulmates Um, that's not our that's not the church's responsibility um, in order to be a friend, you must be friendly. It's ultimately incumbent on you to take the awkward steps, to get outside of your shell, to introduce yourself to people. And if you go to a church and there's nobody your age, there's no connection that's made, but you know they're teaching God's word, you're being fed and you're growing, well, you can find friends elsewhere. It's hard to find that. And you can find Christian friends elsewhere it's hard to find that. And so, again, there's an ideal. But if, if, you're, if you're going to a church and you don't know anyone and, and you're growing and you're being fed and you're blessed, keep going. Um, the churches can provide community, but that's not its central mandate. It took Justin. It took you a couple of years, man, to, to just slowly over time well, it's mostly because I was wasn't actually there physically a lot of the time. But even but even then, like even when you moved back, um, now it's true we had kind of a pandemic get through right, a wrinkle yeah. and things. But like it, it took it took a few months. But I t- I tell you what what I've learned over the years and and just traveling around, being involved in different churches overseas and stuff, and even even here in the states. Don't just go to church. Get involved in the church. Yes. yes. Yeah. It, sure. and, and so many of the people that just bounce from church to church to church trying to find that perfect one are the people that just go on Sundays, sit in the pews, don't do anything. Show up right before it Show starts, up, leaves right after it right. ends. Yes. Get involved. If there's not a ministry opportunity for you, create one. And I can promise you, as someone that, that runs a church, there there are ministry opportunities <laughs> always. Yeah, for sure. you're, you're the family that you're going to be involved in, and, and that's what that's what being part of the church is. This is a family. That that's I love going to churches overseas, just visiting, and just seeing how other people worship God. And then even if I don't understand any of the language, just being there, I understand everything. Mm-hmm. Like I, it, it just, there's this, the Holy spirit is, is not just one ethnicity, one language and anything. It's a, it's a, you know, he's a universal thing. Well, the Holy spirit and, might not be, but Jesus was definitely right. Anglo-Saxon. And, okay. Blonde hair, yeah, blue okay. eye. Blonde hair, blue <laughs> but, eye. You, you know like what I'm Fa- saying? Look like Fabio. And, 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 but the, I think the key point is let the Holy spirit lead you, get in your word. 
But get involved. Don't just go there and be fed. Feed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, you know what do you say to Peter? Absolutely. If you love my, if you if you love me, feed my sheep. How many times do you tell him that? Right. No. Right. So that's a, a a wonderful point. And and I would say, as with anything, um, the more that you put into it, the more you get out of it. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, the more you attend the more you grow and the more you're blessed and the more you get to know people, you take that next step from just attending to giving. Now you're invested. You're honoring what's happening there through your ties. Like I'm supporting this financially. Um, I'm giving to it and then I'm investing my energy into it. And you know, for me, you know, so I grew up a little background my dad started Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain a couple of years before I was born. So I was born into a very small church, um, you know, to the point that, that me and my siblings for, for seasons, like, were the children's ministry, uh, along with maybe one or two other families. You know, there, it wasn't a very big church. It was a small church. Um, there was something so sweet about it, though. Something like you knew everyone. Uh, you got to know everyone. Um, it was family. Again, you know, people look for a big church and oftentimes the big church has an appeal because it allows for anonymity. Like you can be anonymous. You can go, you can sit, you can listen, you can leave. You're never asked to do anything. Um, you, you get enough church to feel real spiritual and good about yourself. Uh, but just the structure of it allows you to just be a ghost. It's very, it's, it, it appeals to like just more widely the consumer mentality that we have uh, within our culture. Um, anything um, that matters, you also have to be a contributor. Yes, there is a component to church where you do consume something, but for it to really deepen in its meaning and its impact, you have to, you have to find a way to contribute. Um, you know, it's great when you can contribute along the lines of, of maybe something that you're talented in or you're gifted in, um, but it doesn't matter. Um, if, you know, there's a process by which you can teach children's ministry and and you're starting to go to that church, and, and, and it'll be a few months before you can even qualify to do that. Well, yeah, you might be a, a teacher, and you might be good at communicating, and that might be ultimately where you want to land. Uh, but I promise you they don't have the same prerequisites and requirements for the person making the coffee or volunteering on the, the clean team or coming up and mowing the yard or just picking up trash around the property. Find a simple way to plug in to get involved. Um, I I have to mention, I have to say, I got to bring up this topic because um, what I haven't noted, anyone, anyone want to take a gander at the, uh, at the one big thing people evaluate churches on that I have not mentioned at all. Worship. 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 Mm. Bingo. Yeah. You know, it drives me nuts when someone, uh, you know, I'll be talking to someone and it's, uh, they, they don't go to our church, but it's like, well, Hey man, how was, how was church on Sunday? And the replies, dude, dude. The worship was awesome. Yep. Lecrae right. was there. It was great. <laughs> right there. I'm sure it was, it was a production. But it, but it sends up such a warning, a warning flare to me that it's like That's what they took something's off. Something's wrong. Like you're evaluating this church service based upon an, an emotive experience um, as opposed to, you know, saying, man, God really, I went to church today and you'll never believe it. God spoke to me. You know, God, you know, I'm not even really sure what the pastor was saying, but through him saying some stuff, the God's word was open. It was in front of me. And man, I had an encounter with God today. And yeah, worship was a part of that, but man, he spoke to me. I got to praise his name. That was sweet. But man, he spoke to me, and that's way more important. You know, we can sell an experience. And so many churches today are a mile wide, but they're only an inch deep. And so if you if you if you go to church, when you leave, what I would ask, again, if you're looking for a church, um, write down the things that you liked about it. And then evaluate accordingly. And if the first thing is like, Man, the the worship was the bomb. The lights and sound were incredible. Um, the technology was world class. Um, the coffee bar was off the chain. Um, 
they gave me a gift card to Mickey D's uh, for just showing up. Oh, my God. And, yeah, uh, that little nugget of, you know, practical wisdom on how to balance my checkbook was also helpful. (laughs) Um, If you read through that, you know, I I think I think the proof's in the pudding. I will I will add. A church also needs to minister effectively along the blueprint I've already articulated to every age group. Um, and, and I say that as, as a father with kids. What I love about Calvary 316 is that my kids get to grow up in the same size and style church I did. It's not a big church. Uh, we, we do church together. Um, it's, not, it's not we drop you off at some other building you do church, we'll do church, we'll meet up afterwards. It's, it's, yes, there's a children's program where the Word of God is taught at their level. We have that for the toddlers, all age groups up through 10th grade. And then in 11th grade, you got wheels, you're going to become an adult. We're putting childish <laughs> things behind, you're now plugging into the larger church community. Um, churches within a church within a church just aren't healthy. And you do that. You have college and career ministries that are like their own church in a church. And there's a complete disconnect, which is not cool because it's not the church. You have a bunch of 20-year-olds uh, trying to minister to one another. You have the collective wisdom of no one. <laughs> you know, like, like, yeah. like a church needs, like you need, you need the energy. Like old people with wisdom need the energy of, of young people. And young people with lots of energy and no wisdom need the wisdom of older people. And there's a reason that the Bible says, let the older women mentor the younger women, yet the older men mentor the young men. Like there was, there is supposed to be that diversity within age and within culture and et cetera. A church, your family should plug in. Now, I'll tell you, and, and, and I'll, I'll throw this out, we're running out of time. I have seen people make the tragic mistake of leaving a church, the parents, where they were being fed, going to a church where they weren't being fed, but the kids had more fun, that is, that is an absolute tragic uh, disaster in the making. Hmm. Um, because the, the best thing you can do for your kids is to be spiritually healthy. Uh, the church... It's, it's not their job to raise your kids spiritually. It's, it's your job to do that, and it's the church's job to come alongside and help with that. If you're going to a church and, and your kids are, are struggling, but you're being fed, you don't ignore the kids. That's true. But find a way to make that better for them. Find a way to volunteer. The worst thing you can do is put your spiritual benefit on the back burner for your kids' enjoyment. And the other thing is, like, well, what, what's really attracting the kids? Well, they had this incredible puppet show, and you should see their playground. It's basically daycare. They have arcade um, it's games. Sunday morning daycare. Um, that's not church either. Um, Creighton, I know I just kind of threw like darts at this topic, kind of from all over the map. Um, but just listening, kind of create a mosaic that might help somebody. Things to be thinking about at least. If you're yeah, looking for it gives them uh, targets to throw their darts at. I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was good. You got, um, y'all have anything you want to add? Yeah. One thing I want to add through this whole thing, especially the second to last thing you were talking about, is going into this, if you're trying to find a church, don't give it 20%. Don't give it 30%. Give it 100% of your effort or else you're not going to find the church that you want. And the church that you could be a part of is also not going to accept you because you have to be f- both willing and acceptive at the same time as why you're doing it. I mean... If you don't go in it wholeheartedly, you're not going to get what you came for and you're not going to get what you need. Mm. Because church, after you find the place, like I found it, like Derek's found it, like we all have found it, becomes family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And family to everyone that's listening probably is probably the number one important thing in their life. Yeah. It can also so, be the most infuriating thing. Infuriating yeah. thing, but sure. But you know, church becomes top one, top yeah. two most important things in your life if you actually accept it. It's, yeah. it's interesting. I'll get to you in a second, Derek, but you just do. the thought that, that that kind of sparked. You know, we live in a, a really odd time to be alive, you know, the last 70 or so years. Like when transportation became more of a thing, like 
Like we're having a conversation of picking and choosing a church. That's a very relatively new phenomenon with regards to like church history. A lot of times you had a church in your community. Yeah, that was There it. was one. You didn't care if it was Methodist or Baptist or Presbyterian or Lutheran. Like it didn't matter. Like if it was a Protestant church, there was one in your area. Like you didn't have, you know, you didn't on your way to church pass 30 other churches like, like we do here in the South mm-hmm. where now I have to pick and choose. Like I actually had that luxury back in the day. It was like you had a church in Paul's day in the early development of, of Christianity. you like, there was a church in Corinth or in Thessalonica or in Athens and you went and if the pastor wasn't that great, it didn't matter. Like it was church. Well, he's not the, the, the best public speaker. No, but that's your church. Yeah. And like, there's a lot of things where it's like you immediately take ownership and like, well, I'm going to be a part of this church being as good as it can be. Like I, I, I could leave the church for what? There's not another one. You know, we had this, like when people could church hop that phrase church hopping. Like the fact that that's even a phenomenon, like there are other places in the world done mission work in Haiti or, or, or Cuba. There's a church in your town. You go there. You plug into it. You seek to make it better. But you have church. And I think, I think you know, again, we're just in this, the lap of luxury and the fact that we have choice when it comes to this. Derek, you, you had a thought you were about to... Yeah, I would say don't go to a church with the expectations of what you're looking for. Go into it open with and observe don't go into it i'm looking for great worship i want this i want the coffee bar to be able to do this like don't look don't go to a church and be like these are the things that i want go into it and observe what it is when you're choosing the right church yeah material things other than yeah like yeah go don't go into it thinking this is how i want my church to be go into it be like is this what the church is like it just like think for about sure, what the for place sure. is. I'll, I'll I'll dovetail off of that. Um, another thing just came came to mind about like what to look for. Um, radical authenticity. Hmm. It tells you a lot about the church, like where again we open the show. We're a group of misfits transformed by God's grace. Like like you go to Calvary three sixteen. Like we're not pretending to be anything other than what we are. Um, our faults are on display. There's not, there's not some pseudo religiosity that we're trying. There's not an ideal we're trying to live up to in that sense. Like, like there's nothing fake. You can go to a place and you can be like, you know what? I don't think I actually know who that person is. I think everything here is some projection of, of okayness. Everyone's Okay as opposed to like going to some place and it's like, wow. And again, you can only do this if you go for a while where it's like, these people are real and broken and, and, and that's okay. Like it's yeah. okay. Now it's not okay to sin and be living in a lifestyle, but like, it's okay to be transparent. Like not everything has to be, uh, churchified. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure, Justin. You have any any other any other thoughts with the minute or two we've got? No, I think I've said my piece. You've said your piece. <laughs> so you're still on that nickname. Yeah, <laughs> Spice Daddy. Spice Daddy. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll have to think through well, that. They, they can. The, the listeners can comment on it. The listeners can comment. Yeah. Let me uh, qu- very quick programming note before we before we get out of here. Uh, we will have an episode next Wednesday night. Um, again, live at eight p.m. Um, but then what is it, the 22nd? 22nd. Um, the, the Wednesday before Christmas, we will not uh, be having an episode, as well as the Wednesday between Christmas and New Year's. We're, we're, so we'll be taking two weeks off at the end of the year, but we'll be back um, the first Wednesday of the new year. And so uh, one more episode of the year. Uh, I've got a feeling that we might be discussing Christmas. It's going to be a Christmas it's, episode. It's going to be a Christmas episode. Uh, Scrooge McDuck over there. Uh, Creighton, <laughs> thank you for the topic. Did did we kind of settle on that? Yeah, I thought it was great. Well done, everybody. You all know, right, fantastic. Snaps all around. All right, well, you've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. Hope you enjoyed the show. 
Uh, every Wednesday night, show's live streamed 8 p.m. I say that because if you're listening on the podcast, the audio is released on Thursday. If you're listening on the podcast, check us out. Um, check out the live stream, uh, outlawradio.live, facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. If you are watching and you'd like to check out the podcast, no problem. Uh, our podcast is hosted Apple, Google, Spotify. Uh, for quick links, just visit outlawradio.org. Fellas, thank you for being with me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Always Absolutely. a pleasure. Fantastic. My name is Zach Adams. I hope you join us this time next week for another episode of the Outlaw Radio. Good night, folks. <laughs>